our worship team, our choir, um, that cute little girl in the white sweater there, that's our daughter Gracie's. The Apostle Paul said there's no greater joy than to see your children walking in the truth. We're so glad that you're uh, here, and I'm so glad to get to enjoy this Memorial Day weekend with you. Um, my name's Todd. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. I haven't been able to be here at our Sandusky location for, for a time, but that's not because I've just been off. Just many of you know that Carter's been, our son has been going through a, a serious illness over the last couple of years, um, but I'm still working. I'm, I've been down at our Port Clinton campus, and I just bring greetings from them, and I tell you, God is on the move. He's working. More and more people are, are taking their next steps. That's our mission here, to help people move one step closer to God and each other through Christ. And we're seeing that in Norwalk and out in Port Clinton and right here in Sandusky. Today, it's another next step opportunity for every single one of us. And uh, I wanted to highlight a couple of those opportunities. One is to invite you in to what we call Say Yes. Uh, out in the atrium, you'll see a Say Yes booth. In fact, I think we've got an image that we can throw on the screen. Um, and uh, you can text in to this number. We'll put it up on the screen for you. And, uh, and it's just a way for you to jump in one time for one hour, uh, for one Sunday or Saturday night to serve in our kids' ministry this summer. And even if you're like, oh, I don't know if kids' ministry is my thing, we want to encourage you just to come and, and, and try it one time just so you can have a better understanding of what God's doing in the lives of kids and leaders, volunteers down in our kids' ministry. It'll help you better inform others that maybe do have kids or grandkids. And as you invite them to church, you can, you can personally say, listen, I've seen what goes on down in our kids' ministry, and your kids are going to love it. Uh, so would you consider saying yes. Uh, just stop out at the Say Yes booth. There's a little form. Fill it out. Our team makes it so easy. They'll follow up with you. They'll find the right weekend, right service. Uh, you don't have to prepare a whole bunch of things. You can just come and love on some kids and have some fun, and I guarantee you are going to have a blast. And uh, we're asking for you, all of our chapel family, just to consider doing that one time this summer. We really, really appreciate, appreciate it, and we really, really do need uh, your support and your help. That's part of being an Orange Church. The other opportunity that we want to let you know about for all of us, it's called our Chapel Family Game Night. We're headed to progressive field, like we're going to overtake things, all right? We have a huge block of seats uh, saved, and uh, it's for all of our Chapel Family, young and old, with kids, without kids, um, go see the Cleveland Guardians. It happens to free t-shirts. I think it's for the first number of people that are there. It's dollar dog night. So even if the Guardians lose, I mean, you had dollar dogs. When, when was the last time you paid only $1 for a hot dog at any large event, right? So come, you, you can register by texting the word baseball. All, again, all this info for Say Yes, for Family Game Night. It's in your worship program. You can just uh, kind of check in there, lean in there, uh, make sure you get signed up. Uh, those seats are going to go quickly, and so if you or your family want to come, uh, make sure you jump in. It's going to just be a fantastic night at the ballpark, and we want you to be able to be there, all right? A lot of good stuff happening. On, happening. Uh, so we're in a series in the Gospel of John, and to begin, I just want us to begin thinking this way. Um, I don't know about you guys, but... Uh, um, I've, I've had several friends over the last couple years, like one of the biggest kind of, I don't know, fad rage diets has been the keto diet. How many, 
Anybody in here done tried the keto diet? Okay, uh, like one, two, like I thought it was like the big deal, like it was a huge rage. In fact, uh, some of our friends uh, they they uh, they did that, um, and and they had some great success. And uh, so that so I mean they they lost significant amounts of weight. And, and I thought, well, tell me more about this this diet. Uh, and they said. Um, yeah, it's, it's really awesome. I mean, you can pretty much eat as much meat as you want. I was like, this is like the diet for me. Like, like unlimited amounts of bacon. Oh, and you can have like butter. They're putting butter in their coffee. They're, I mean, they're eating butter on everything. You could just eat a stick of butter if you wanted on the keto diet. And like you lose weight. Like how is this even <laughs> possible? <laughs> and uh, then I found out that the, the one big, I mean, you can eat a lot of things on the keto diet, but the one big no-no is no carbs, which means no bread. And I was like, this diet sounded so awesome until I discovered that. I'm like, no, no, no. This sounds like, I mean, this sounds like torture. No bread? Like, isn't bread like the staple, like of everything? Um, I, I, I love bread. I love, uh, like, man, you go to, uh, what's it, uh, not Longhorn, but the Texas Roadhouse. Have you had those? Those little heavenly yeast rolls with the cinnamon. I guess on the keto diet, you could have all the cinnamon butter that you want. You just can't have any of the bread to put it on. Or you go, I don't know if they still have it, but Outback, they would, have, they would bring out this, Outback Steakhouse would bring out this brown bread loaf. Oh, I don't know, like... It was like pumpernickel, but it was like softer and sweeter. And then, and then you, of course, you lather that with butter, and that's good. You can't have that on the keto diet. I was thinking, or like the other day, Lisa and I got to have a, a lunch date, and we went and we had this big burger, and they put on a big old bready pretzel bun. How do you go? Our son Carter, he's gluten-free right now. The worst, the worst thing when you're gluten-free, is finding bread, finding a bun that actually you can eat a burger on, right? Um, I, I, I love, and then I, th- I asked Lisa, I'm like, what about those little, little Hawaiian rolls that you pull apart? I'm like, Lisa, why do we only eat these at Thanksgiving and Christmas? We sh- this, these should be a daily staple. Give us today our daily bread, right? I mean, yeah, I, I love, I love, I love bread so much, I would, I would give up desserts and rather have a slice of bread, unless it was bread pudding. Then it would be like the best of both worlds, right? Well, can't have it on keto, sorry. So in our passage of truth today, uh, Jesus says these incredible words found in John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. See, I knew Jesus was pro-carbohydrate. I'm like, yes, well, maybe that's not what he's meaning. I don't, that's what we want to find out. Like, what, when Jesus said these words, what did he really mean when he said, I am the bread of life? So John chapter 6 is where we're going to kind of hone in, and we'll only get to look at, like, the second half of this powerful chapter when there's so much that is going on. But let's kind of like take a look at the context and, and see what Jesus was saying. It says, the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized that Jesus had not gone with them. So several boats from Tiberias landed near the place, this is important, near the place 
where the Lord had blessed the what? Bread. And the people had eaten. So what had occurred? Jesus had done another incredible miracle. In fact, there were just swarms of people that had come to hear Jesus teach and listen to him and question him. And in the midst of it, people had been hanging around so long and people were like hungry and the disciples, they come to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, everybody's hungry here. And Jesus is like, well, you should feed them. And they're like, well, all we got is this little kid's lunch. Like, and, and, and it consisted of uh, two fish and five loaves of bread. And it says in the, in the story, in, in, at the beginning of John chapter 6, Jesus took the, the bread and the fish and he blessed it. And then they just started handing out the bread and the fish to the people. And over five, well over 5,000 people were fed and there was leftovers, like miraculous. And so when it says, uh, the, it's like the people, they hear about this and, and they... they they just flock to the spot where this miracle happened. Why? Because people, people want to be a part of something monumental, don't they? People want to go to the places. It's why, I mean, like on, on Memorial Day weekend and we think about losses, like people want to go to places where even horrible losses, tragedies have occurred. I mean, people want to travel to, to the spots where the planes went down on 911 and it's why people want to go out to Perry's Monument, right, uh, on the islands, because something monumental happened, and people wanted it to be in the spot where Jesus had done this incredible miracle, multiplying the fish and the, the loaves of bread. And then it says this, so when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boat, and they went across to Capernaum to look him, look for him. I mean, they, they all get in their boats, and they head out across the, the sea, and to find Jesus. And it says, they found him on the other side, verse 25, of the lake, and they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. So Jesus calls out their motives for wanting to come see him and be near him. He said, listen, you don't want to be here because you understand the miracles. Because the miracles were not miracles for miracles' sake. We've learned this. In the, book, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus performed a miracle, it was a sign. It was a sign to point to something. The point of the miracles was actually to point to Jesus as the all-powerful one, as God's one and only Son, God in the flesh, divinity, on the landscape of our lives. <laughs> and, and, and Jesus says, you don't want to be here with me because, I, because you understand the miracles. You want to be with me and close to me because I do these miracles and it provides for you. You're hungry. <laughs> You're, you want more food. And just like Jesus knew their motives for coming close to him or being interested in him or following him, Jesus knows, he knows our motives too. Like, are we in this Jesus thing? Are we here at church this weekend? Is it just for something that we might get out of it? Or is it because we've come to know Jesus for who he really is and he's changed our lives forever? This is why Jesus goes on. He says, well, don't be so concerned about perishable foods like 
like bread. Like, thanks, Jesus. I just told everybody here how, how much I love bread. And now you're saying, quit focusing on that, Todd. And that's what he was saying to the people. He's like, don't be so concerned about perishable things that are going to come and go. In fact, he goes on. He says, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Jesus is saying, listen, there's something greater at stake. This is the point of the miracles. It's a point to me, and I want you to believe in me, to seek eternal life. I think of uh, Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, when he said, hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you as well. Jesus was trying to redirect them to the point of the miracle of the multiplication of the fish and the loaves. And it says, they, they said to Jesus, uh, we want to perform God's works too. So what should we do? They wanted to get in on the action. They, and I, th- I think all of us want to get in on the action, right? All of us want to uh, do something for God, right? I, in fact, I think there's an innate sense in all of us that w- we want to somehow uh, earn, work our way to God, like gain his approval, gain his favor. It's, it's how I grew up my entire life going to church and just thinking, well, as long as the good in my life outweighs the bad, then maybe I'll be okay with God. And and. and it's like the, the people gathered there like, okay, Jesus, well, just tell us how to do these miracles. We want to do work for God too. And it's interesting, Jesus' response, he says, this is the only work that God wants from you, to believe in the one that he has sent. This is really, really significant, you guys. Because so many of us, maybe even in this room, and so many people that you work with, do school with, do life with, are living under the assumption that we've got to work our way to God to, to make it to heaven, to, to find his approval and his favor. And Jesus looks right at this group of people who want to do more works for God, and Jesus says, listen, there's one work, one work that God wants from you. It's not even work, it's, it's faith. He says, I want, the, the work that God wants is not, you know, It's not even working down in kids' ministry, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says uh, that God has prepared works for us to do in advance. Like, before you were even born, God had works that he wants to do. But the difference is those works aren't to earn God's approval or his favor. Those works come out of realizing we already have God's favor and approval if we've believed in the one that he sent, in Jesus so God's, God's, God's work for you and, and, and me is to believe in Jesus. So it leads us to our first real-life question. Have I, have you believed in Jesus? To believe is to, to trust, to, to turn away from our own selfishness and sin and to turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross. You did it for me, and then you rose again from the grave. Why? So that I could have hope and forgiveness and freedom, and I could be with you forever. This is, what, this is the work that God is calling us to. And, and then to, to ask ourselves, what's my motivation then for believing? Just like Jesus was looking at the crowd saying, I know why you're really here. You just want something from me. It's not because you understand who I really am. 
says they answered, uh, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. It's like, didn't he just do that? <laughs> like with the bread and the fish? Oh, and by the way, in John chapter 6, Jesus also just happens to walk on water. Like, and yet they're, they're not satisfied yet. They want to see to believe. They want to see more to believe. And so they say, show us a miraculous sign. What can you do, Jesus? And then they point back to their history. This is so interesting. It says, after all, our ancestors... They ate manna, which was a form of bread, like this light, wafery bread, uh, while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. So bread, again, I'm telling you, Jesus is pro-carb. I mean, he fed them bread when there was nothing else. And, and the people started to realize like they were in dependence upon God every single day to rain down this bread from heaven but it's interesting, they, they're looking back in their history books and they're like, oh yeah, and Moses, did you notice that? Moses gave us the bread. Well, Jesus picks up on this and then he corrects them. Jesus said, uh, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. They were so focused on a man, a person, as their provider and Jesus was making sure that God the Father was getting the credit because even if God uses a man, he's, he's using the man through his strength and through God's power to provide, to, to care for. And, he, and then Jesus says these words, and now he offers you the true bread from heaven. Jesus capitalizes on the, the miracle that they bring up of, of God providing for the Israelites when they're in the middle of the wilderness in the, in the past. And, and then it says these words, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. There it is. It, he, he says, whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me, remember, because it's all about believing in the one that God has sent. Believe, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty Jesus said, I am the bread of life. This is the first of seven I am statements that we find in the Gospel of John. We'll read more about some of these week by week as we study together. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world, John 8, 12. He said, I'm the door, John 10, 7. He said, I'm the good shepherd, John 10, 11. I am the resurrection and the life, John eleven twenty five. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6, and I am the true vine, John 15, verse 1. But here, the first one that Jesus says is, I am the bread of life. Bread was the mainstay in that culture. Jesus was saying, like, I am essential. I'm essential not just to your physical life, but to your spiritual, eternal life. This is what Jesus is trying to help the people understand. And, and it, it's interesting when he says, if, if you'll believe in me, see, because this wasn't about eating physical, perishable things. This was about believing. He says, if you believe in me, you're, you're never going to hunger again, and you're never going to thirst again. That sounds a lot like what Jesus said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, right? And he said, man, if you knew uh, who's asking you for, you for a drink of water, you'd ask me, and I'd give you living water. Isn't it crazy? Like, Jesus, is, Jesus refers to himself 
as the most essential things that we need for life. I love how William Barclay puts it. He says, the bread of God was he who came down from heaven and gave men not simply satisfaction from physical hunger, but life. Jesus was claiming that the only real satisfaction was found in him. He says, I am the bread of life. And it says, then the people began to murmur in disagreement. Because that's what we humans do. We just murmur and argue. And they aren't even arguing with Jesus or asking him more questions for clarification. Like, wait, bread of life? We don't quite understand. No, they're arguing with each other because one person thinks they understand what, it's, what he's saying. And another person says, oh, no, I think this is what he was saying. And they're going back and forth. And they don't understand how he could say that he's the bread from heaven. In fact, in verse 42, it says, they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say that he came down from heaven? You see, they didn't understand. They, just, they were still viewing Jesus as just a human. When he was God, come near in the flesh. And Jesus then says it again. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. He's trying to point to belief. He says, yes, I am the bread of life. He says in a second time, your ancestors, yeah, they ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Jesus is pointing to himself and to something that is not temporary but eternal. He says, anyone who eats this bread from heaven, however, uh, whoever eats this bread from heaven, however, will never die. And again, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And listen to this. This bread, he said, which I will offer so that the world may live is my flesh. Oh, and this messed with people. They're like, wait, what? His flesh? We've got we to eat his flesh? Like, they were still so focused on the physical, right? And so what happens? They start arguing again with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They asked. So Jesus said again, and he only makes things worse, but he just keeps reemphasizing. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, okay, that sounds wiggy, you cannot have eternal life within you. And listen, guys, we have the vantage point of looking back into history, and we know what happened after Jesus made these statements and what his life eventually led to. A, a crucifixion, giving his flesh, giving his literal physical body on the cross, pouring out his blood to pay and atone for our sins. I love how J.I. Packer puts it. He says, the reference that Jesus made to eating his flesh and drinking his blood is a metaphorical way of describing the person who draws on, claims, or lays hold of the reality of his, Jesus's, atoning sacrifice by putting personal faith in him. And Packer says, we constantly have to come back to that. We have to constantly come back to the gospel, the good news that Jesus gave his life away for us. Jesus' miracles point to Jesus as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. This whole passage, it's all about depending on God. That's our number one value here at the chapel. Depend on God. We rely on God and his word. It's why 
We believe in the power of prayer, that we believe we, we ought to be people of prayer, daily admitting our need for Jesus. I think that's what Jesus is getting at. It's why he says, I am the bread of life. Like, you are dependent upon me, Jesus was saying. So, it begs the question, who or what am I depending on? It's an important question. Who or what are we depending on to get us to heaven someday for eternal life? Who who or what are we depending on on a daily basis to get us through this life, right? Because this life isn't all that easy some days, is it? Who are we going to depend on? Are we going? I mean, think about it. We can depend on our paycheck, but our jobs aren't guaranteed tomorrow. We can depend on our friends, and, and I hope you have some good ones, but even our closest of friends can still let us down. We can depend upon our looks and our appearance, but hey, none of us is getting any younger, right? <laughs> we, can depend on our, we can depend on our family, and I hope that we can, but many of us in this room, you've been betrayed by those closest to you. We can depend on our intellect, but our memory can slowly slip away. We can depend on technology, but we all know it has so many flaws. We can depend on doctors. But they don't know what they don't know. I'm speaking from experience here. Our son Carter's been sick for all, for 2 years. We've gone to doctor after doctor after doctor. Treatment after treatment, drug after drug, and nothing is helping. And I love doctors, and I'm grateful to doctors, and Tuesday we'll see another doctor, a specialist. And we're hoping for some more clarity, some answers, some help. But even our doctors, they're... As good as they are, their knowledge is limited. Somebody has said science and medicine, it's just an attempt to discover all that God already knows. We are dependent upon him. And, and at the end of the day, we could just depend on ourselves because other people has, in fact, probably there's some people in the room or watching this online right now, and that's where you're at. Like, I'm not, no way, I'm not, I'm not trusting, I'm not depending on anybody else. It's just me against the world now. But the truth of the matter is even the strongest most capable, hard-working people eventually will come to the end of their selves and crack. That's why Jesus says to the crowd, and that's why he says to us, I am the bread of life. We are dependent upon Jesus. And, and some of the disciples, it says, said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? You know, sometimes Jesus says things, does things, allows things that are hard to understand. I don't understand why our son is sick and is like literally, he has no life. He's not well enough to go to school. I'm staying home with him three days a week, working in the office a couple days and on the weekends. 
I don't understand. And probably there's people in the room and you are going through things or you have been through things where you're like, I don't get this. And the, so I resonate with the, with, with the people. Jesus, I don't. And it says at this point, many of the disciples, they turned away and they deserted him. And then Jesus, he turned to the 12 and he said, are you also going to leave? You see, when we depend on someone or something and then they don't do what we thought they were going to do or they don't help in the way that we thought that they were going to help, we, we have a choice. Like, So are we, are, are we going to bail or are we going to believe? As I read these words, I did, it just felt like Jesus was speaking right at me. He's looking at Todd and he's like, Todd, so what's it going to be? Remember the work God, remember Jesus said the only work that God wants is to believe. To believe in the one that he sent. Are we going to keep trusting Jesus? No matter what. Are we going to keep depending on Jesus? And I love Simon Peter's response as Jesus says, are you, are you guys going to leave too? Are you going to bail on me? And, and Simon Peter, so many times, man, Simon Peter, he put his foot in his mouth. He, he just said things, did things. He was kind of impulsive. But right here, right now, in this moment, Simon Peter, man, he gets it right. Jesus looks at him and says, are you guys going to leave me? Are you going to give up? Are you going to quit depending on me, trusting me? And, and Simon Peter says, Lord, to whom would we go? It's like Jesus is saying, We've gone everywhere, and there is nobody else to go to. There's no doctor that knows the answers. There is no person that seems to be able to help. Jesus, who else are we going to go to? He says, you, you alone, you hold the words of eternal life. We believe. You are the Holy One of God. And so, guys, I'm just, I'm just telling you, we are living this. And, and so many of you, you're living this. And it's so easy when you go through hardship to, to just turn and run or bail. But who are we going to depend on? I, for the first time in my life, I've learned what it means to depend on God daily. I never had to do that before. But it is like day by day, sometimes it's moment by moment. Why do we think that Jesus, when the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, he said, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he said, and pray this way, Lord, give us today our what? daily bread. Sometimes Jesus has to take us to places where all we have is him. So that we discover he is all we need. And so many, so many of our chapel family, you've prayed for us and you care. People have sent us money. People have brought gifts. People send us texts, songs. 
and you care and we feel it. Not a day goes by that we don't see somebody somewhere praying for you guys, praying for Carter. And I'll be honest, there's sometimes I just, I just want to say, yeah, I wish God would answer some of those prayers. And God, and God, he hasn't answered the big prayer to help our son, to heal our son. But he has answered one prayer. He's given us our daily bread. I'm here today. We're here today. We're still standing. So he is, he's at work. He's still answering. And Tuesday, this Tuesday, I'll, I'm just, I'll, I'm asking for you to pray. This Tuesday, we see a pediatric infectious disease specialist at Cleveland Clinic, and they think maybe Carter has Lyme disease, that multiple co-infections from a tick bite that can cause all kinds of neurological, psychological things. Just pray that God will, God will grant wisdom and understanding to these good doctors because we're dependent upon him. As we close in worship today, I want us all to really wrestle. Number one, have you believed? This is the work that God wants, that you would believe in the one that he has sent. And, and what's, what's our motivation for believing? And who or what are you depending on? Really? What are, what are we using as a crutch to, to get by? when we should be turning to Jesus every day? And then what step of faith do I need to take today? I'd like to pray for us and our team's going to lead us. Lord, this is, it's so uh, raw and real. But we don't know who else to turn to but you. Teach us, teach us, Jesus, that you are the bread of life, that we depend on you. And show yourself today for people in the room that are hurting with me. Show yourself faithful, dependable, trustworthy. Show us that you are enough. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship him.
place our trust in you today. Help us remain firm in our belief in you. And help us as a chapel family support one another. Help carry each other's burdens. Lord, we look to you today and always. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen.